just love the, the one statement that was made in that song, Give Me This Mountain, and it says there, Give me this mountain, you are my great reward. And I was just almost, I wouldn't say convicted, but stirred by the fact that we need to be passionate about taking the mountains, but the mountains are never the reward. Jesus is always the reward, irrespective of the mountains that we face, the, the land that we take, the inheritance that we've got, the, the prize and the promise always pales in significance in comparison to the fact that we get to have fellowship with, with who God is, and, and that's always the reward. And I love the fact that there's something of it. We get to be on mission. We get to, the Bible says we are a, a royal priesthood. And with that, with a, a royal mandate, I often look at the, the, the royal family and the, and the fact that they have incredible privilege, but that comes with incredible responsibility. And we have privilege and we have responsibility, but the reward always remains in fellowship with the King. And that's a privilege that we've got. So this morning I wanted to share a little bit about seeking God's vision. And I was chatting to Emmanuel earlier just about us as a family. Every year we start a, a document called What is God Saying? And we kind of start writing scriptures that we feel God's giving us. We, we write down stirrings that we have. We write down prophetic words that come. And we make a note of it. And the date of, of when it was, who shared it with us. And, and we go through, and it's a working document. It's a shared document on our, on our Google Drive. And it's just an opportunity for us throughout the year to be waiting on God to hear what He's saying. Because... God does have incredible things in store for us, and, and we want to know, Lord, what is it? And, and I believe that with God's vision, He brings about a supernatural equipping, but I want to be invested and involved with that equipping. I don't want it just to come and kind of fumble through. I want to be intentional in saying, Lord, who is it that you have in store for us? Uh, one of my favorite quotes is someone once said, we don't know who's on the other end of our obedience. And... Uh, just talking this morning and even as we're chatting about some of the, the people and the places in the area and there's the stirring and there's this, this kind of imprinting on our hearts, I don't want to neglect what God is saying uh, because there might be people on the other end of our obedience. There might be people who are desperate for us to step out and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Lord, I want to be a, a vessel of what you're doing and, and where you're going. So the scripture that's, that's really been stirring on my heart for the last probably month and a half is Proverbs 29, 18. And it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And the thing I love about this now, I think in the King James Version, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So there's something about this that, that's really struck me. And that is, God doesn't desire for us to have vision. God desires for us to have godly vision. And there's a distinction between the two. One is going in a direction just because we feel that that's the right place to go. And one is him leading us and guiding us and saying, guys, this is where I want you to go. So prophetic vision or revelation comes from spending time with him. It comes from seeking him out. It comes from hearing what God has to say. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. And, and the, the, the thing that I just felt God saying through this is He doesn't hide things from us, He hides things for us. 
So even here, we've got to go and we go in search of the prophetic vision. We don't just kind of hope that we get a prophetic vision and, and, like I say, fumble our way through the dark. God's got incredible plans and He desires to give them, but He, he conceals them, not to hide them from us. And we're thinking, Jish Lord, you're silent. Jish Lord, you're not, you're not sharing what, what's going to happen. I don't know where to go. But he's, he's concealing them for us because He wants us to go in search of these things. He wants us to inquire of Him. He wants us to say, Lord, here I am. What is it that you've got in store for me? Um, one of the scriptures that comes up regularly in our meetings is, and it's one of my favorites, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. So he's prepared good works for us beforehand and we get to walk into them. And this is something that I love to, to kind of repurpose every, every year in the beginning of the year. But this is not something that's, restricted to the beginning of the year. It's not just because it's a new year that we have to find new vision. And often the vision is not different from what it was the previous year. But there might be subtle changes. But we've got to get back to a place of saying, Lord, I want to be fruitful for your kingdom. I want to be effective for what you've called me to. And I know that I've been created with purpose. As long as there's breath in my lungs, so I have a purpose here on earth. And so I want to be effective in that. And yesterday we were driving out of Mshlanga and there was quite a hazy view over the ocean and in the distance I could see this this kind of portion of a rainbow and it's the widest rainbow I've ever seen it was almost like the colors had dispersed in the 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 kind of mist that was over the sea but it was only a small portion but I remember not too too long ago I was driving in towards uh, the, the lychee orchard and there was the clearest most perfect whole rainbow in the sky and what I felt God say is sometimes his vision is vague, it's broad, it's unclear, and it's partial. And sometimes the vision is clear and full. But either way, it's a promise from God, and either way, it's beautiful. And, and we've got to be okay with what God's sharing. And sometimes he doesn't share everything. Um, I know for probably 2018, 2019, for us, we almost lamented through what God was saying because it was very vague. And we knew God had a calling over our lives, but we worked through it and we, we, we wrestled sometimes with what God was saying because it wasn't clear. But this time last year, we arrived in Belito with a vision to plant a church because the vision came clear, the, the vision was full, the vision had clarity, and we knew what God had called us to. And it was amazing to see the distinction between the previous years and last year because we came with a, a fresh vision and a renewed vision and, a, and, and a, quite a full vision for the next season that we had. And I believe that that will change in time to come and we don't know how long God will do what he does because he does work in seasons. But it was different. But both are beautiful and both are promises. So the encouragement I felt out of Hebrews 10, 23 it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to bring about his promises. And he does desire us to be invested and intentional with those promises. But our responsibility is to hold fast to our confession of hope. Hold, I often use the term white knuckle it. Holding on to what God said. And relying on the fact that God is faithful. That's not holding on to the promises of God like this here, where God doesn't have the freedom to bring about new direction. Uh, 
two years ago, if you had asked me what our, our call was, it would be to plant a church in New Zealand. Um, and it was coming into COVID, I felt God say, hold, hold the vision lightly. And the picture that he gave me was that of a golf club. Uh, when I used to play golf and I used to go for lessons, the guy used to say, hold a golf club like a budgie. Uh, strong enough that it doesn't fly away, but not too hard that you don't kill it. And I felt God say, hold the vision in the same way. Hold it that it doesn't fly away, but don't squeeze it to the point of killing it. Just, just be, be cautious and with how we hold on to these things. So we hold on to the hope that God is faithful to bring about his promises. And again, it's he's the reward. He's the one that we hold on to. We don't hold on to the things of God. We hold on to God and he brings about the things. And there's a distinction between the two. So we need to seek God and ask him, Lord, what is it that you're saying? And, and how do we do that? Proverbs 2 in verse 4 says, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord, there's the reverence of God. You'll understand the bigness of God and you'll understand who we are in comparison to this king. But in it, we'll also find the knowledge of God. So we've got to go and we've got to seek for the treasures of God. We've got to look for it like something of value. Treasure, it says there, seek it like silver. Silver has a value to it. That's why people go in search of it. We've got to realize that the words of God that God wants to speak over us are valuable and they are treasures. And then we've got to realize that God wants to speak to us. So as much as we've got to seek God isn't wanting to hold back and not speak to us. God is actually really intentional with wanting to speak over us and give us incredible just promises over our life. And I was reminded uh, as I was preparing for this of the commissioning of, of uh, Joshua. When God commissions Joshua, you end off the previous chapter, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then God goes on and he starts speaking in Joshua 1. And it says, after the death of, of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Where does he go? Over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised Moses. For the wilderness, from the wilderness... Um, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. There's something about when God gives us these commissions, when God gives us this mountain, and sometimes it feels bigger than we are. And um, sometimes we look at the call that God's given us and we say, Jesus, Lord, my hands are too small to carry what you've given us. And he's saying, but don't worry, I'm giving it to you and I will be there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. So then when he says, be strong and courageous, it's not being strong and courageous in our ability. It's being strong and courageous in the fact that he who promised is faithful. And, and I just love how it goes on to say here, it says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
Remember Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Here it says, do not turn from it, the law, the word, um, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, and I, I love to say that the, the Bible is not an instruction manual on how to do things. It's a map to the Father. And out of that place, God gives incredible um, words. He speaks to us. But the word is living. And, and, and the first part of how do we seek God is read the word. It's a living word. And if there's not an explicit um, passage of scripture speaking into this specific application of life, there will always be a concept that we can refer to. But in John, uh, John 1, it speaks about the fact that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word um, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So we've got this thing of when we open the Word, when we start to, to, to dissect scripture, God speaks to us because we are sitting in His presence. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will bring about a supernatural revelation. Um, I love the Word. I love the Word of God. I, I think it's something that is so incredible. And the fact that we have access to this is an amazing testament to the fact that we have freedom to operate. Um, I read a book once called The Heavenly Man with a guy by the name of Brother Yun. And Jesus revealed himself to him in a vision. And he got access to a, a Bible but it was illegal in China. So he memorized scripture word for word because they had to hide the Bible. But the Holy Spirit brought about a supernatural revelation. And it's incredible that after a while, the Western church started to infiltrate China and they said to him, so whose teachings do you follow? And his response was, follow the teachings of Jesus. And they said, no, but, but which denomination do you follow? I don't know, what do you mean by denomination? I don't understand that. All I know is effectively Christ and him crucified. I know Jesus. I know what his word says. And, and he likened it to when David fights Goliath and Saul wants to give the armor that was created for Saul to David. Now Saul was a big man. David was a small man. His armor wouldn't fit him. And David says, this armor was not created for me. He said, when the Western church infiltrated what God was doing in China at a time where they were fully dependent on reading the word and relying on revelation, so that it actually hindered the move of the Spirit in the Western church because what happened was they started to impose human understanding and it actually stifled what God was doing. And, and for me, I want us to be in a place where we are passionate about seeking out what God is saying in the Word. And let's trust that the Holy Spirit will bring about a supernatural revelation. We don't realize the significance of the privilege of having access to this. We've got it on our phones. We've got it in our hands. They had one amongst a community of people that was hidden, and yet it brought incredible life. And, and for me, as we seek out the vision of God, we need to be intentional with reading the Word. The, the, the commission to Joshua is, don't let the Word depart from your mouth. Meditate in a day and night. We're going to be a people who see life in Scripture and recognize that Jesus is in there. And here's an opportunity for us to grow, to, for the Word to refine us, for the Word to lead us, for the Word to guide us, for the Word to, to wash over us and make us more like Him. 
The second point is to pray. And prayer for me is twofold. It's not just speaking, but it's speaking and listening. It's in our prayer time we get to speak to God, but we get to listen. It's a conversation with the Father. Matthew 6 verse 9 to 10 says, Pray like this then, our Father in heaven. I love the, the, the way that Jesus opens it because as he establishes his identity before he starts to communicate with the Father. Our Father, saying, I'm his son. It's in that that qualifies us to communicate with the Father. The fact that we are children of God gives us access to his presence. And that's an incredible privilege. And Jesus establishes his prayer with his identity and the Father's identity. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're praying for vision, it's for us to be seeing the reality of heaven here on earth. We are calling out and saying, Lord, let your will be done on heaven here on earth and let us be a part of what you're doing. And, and we're praying for a role in what God is doing. We're praying for an opportunity to be a part of this incredible privilege of God manifesting heaven here on earth. There's a theological term called inaugurated eschatology. And inaugurated eschatology, inauguration is the introduction to, and eschatology is the study of the end times. And the, the effective definition is the, the introduction to God establishing his kingdom. And we see evidence of it, pockets of it, and God doing incredible things. But we've got to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. In Isaiah 30, from verse 19 to 21, it speaks just about uh, the people of Zion and them in Jerusalem. And it goes on to say, and you're, in verse 21, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or turn to the left. God wants to speak. So when we cry out and say, Lord, what are you saying? We've got to listen and God wants to speak to us. And that's the, the power of prayers. We open up that communication channel between us and God. And then the third part is to fast. And uh, fasting is something that has often been taken out of context. Uh, at one stage, a lot of scripture would refer to, and this only happens by prayer and fasting. And if you read it now, we were taught it. It was often a teaching from back in the day. And it turns out that there were guys who felt that there was the need for suffering. So Fasting was added, and if you go look in Scripture, a lot of the word fasting is actually not there. It was added after the fact because there was a need to suffer through, through the word. So if we're not seeing results, you have to pray and fast for this to happen. And, 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 and that's not always the case. But there's something very specific about fasting. So as a result of that, there was almost a fear of fasting, and people started to kind of push it away and said fasting doesn't work. Fasting is something that is vitally important for us as we, we go through as Christians. And what it does is it humbles us to the point of hearing what God is saying. And I think it's, it, it reduces distraction. Um, I know for me, uh, two weeks ago I had to do my niece's memorial and it was one of the hardest messages I've ever had to prepare for. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this. So I fasted uh, leading up to... To that so that I could be in a place where I could hear his voice and saying, Lord, I need you to give me something that I can share with people. It's an incredible privilege, but this is hard. This is hard to share 
at my niece's memorial and, and, and bring a message of hope, bring a message of life to, to be unwavering in compassion with, but uncompromising in truth. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this. And I fasted through it. In Exodus 34, 27 to 28, and it says here, And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made my covenant with you in Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. In his place of surrender, in his place of prayer and fasting, God spoke the Ten Commandments to, to Moses. There was this open communication channel. Acts 13, verse 1 to 3, and it says, Now there was the church in Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who were called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There was a commissioning that happened when they were praying and fasting, as they were waiting on God for something incredible to happen. And, and for me, through the word, through prayer and through fasting, God does something amazing as we seek him for vision. And I want to end off with, with this scripture in Jeremiah, and it says in Jeremiah uh, 1 verse 11, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And, and I have a sense in the next while, God's going to ask us, what do we see? Uh, even in chatting to Emmanuel, and, and I'm talking about corporately for the vision for Adventure Church for the year. Who is it that we're wanting to impact? And, and already, just in our discussion this morning, there's people who we are seeing. There's opportunities that we are seeing. Um, uh, as you guys know, on the, on the 8th of February, there's the ladies' group that's going to be, be launched. It's, this is something that, what do you see? Well, I'm faithful to watch over my word to perform it. And, and I'm trusting that over the next two weeks, that as we seek God, as we pray, as we, we, we will, I'll share some of the details, as we go through a time of fasting, that God will give us a vision. God will ask us, what are you seeing? Who are you seeing? And, and as we, we engage with him, the statement of you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it, will be something that resonates with us. And, and I'm trusting that in our personal lives and corporately, God will give us a vision for his people. He'll give us a vision for reaching the lost, um, for, for going into our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, for nations, that God will place nations on our hearts. I trust that for us, our, our vision will be how do we impact our Jerusalem, being this area, how do we impact our Judea, probably being KZN, our Samaria, South Africa, and our ends of the earth? How do we cross borders? How do we impact the lives of people around? And um, I'm in communication on a weekly basis with a guy by the name of Bowman Days Matter. And Bowman Days Matter is a pastor in Tet in Mozambique. I've never met him. I've only ever communicated with this man over, uh, over WhatsApp. For the last two years, him and I have been in communication because one day, he sent a, 
a message to the church that I was part of in Joburg. I was doing some work into Mozambique. And he said, I need someone who I can chat to. And it landed up on my desk. And I've built a relationship. And I got a message from him yesterday. Hello, my dear friend. I've never met this man. But I have a relationship with this pastor out in Tet in, in Mozambique. And we pray for each other. We encourage each other. We speak life over each other. I get messages of pictures of what he's doing. The families that he's feeding. He's involved with an orphan feeding scheme over there. He's a builder by trade. And he goes and he helps build churches as he leads his own congregation. There's incredible people out there, but he's isolated. There are very few people out in the region of Tet. And he's reached out and said, I need someone to, just to offer me some support and encouragement and to love me along the way. And we've built an incredible friendship. Um, two weeks ago, as I was prepping for, for this, he was one of the guys that was praying for me. Um, and what a privilege for a man I've never met. But the point I'm making is that we don't know who God's got in our journey. We don't know who, who we come across. Um, we went to a, a, a New Year's Eve get-together uh, out here with a couple by the name of Dale and Ruth here in, in Palm Lakes. And Ruth's brother planted a church in, in Holland, a guy named Alex van Lauren. And funny enough, that week I was listening to a message that he had preached at an equip in Europe. And just funny how God links people and, and, and does incredible things. So I'm trusting for, for amazing things for us, and I'm trusting that God will give us vision. I'm trusting that God will place nations on our hearts. Shanae and I are probably going to Kenya in, a, in about a month and a half's time um, to go do some ministry with some of the church leaders out there and just to speak into their lives. Uh, but I'm trusting for each one of us that God will give vision, that the, the NPOs that are in the area that God places on our hearts, that we can bless them, not just with resources, but we can bless them with time, that we can bless them with love, that we can be invested, that we can lift their arms up, that we can blow wind in their sails. Um, Jen, you mentioned there was that... Um, group with a lady working into uh, with prostitutes and rehabilitating prostitutes and something of that stirred in my heart where God wants to establish identity in those who have no identity. God wants to bring about a supernatural revelation of his goodness as father to those who have never had fathers and God wants to use us in the process and we've seen in the last little while, just how wounded and broken this world is. And what a privilege it is that God gets to use us. And he says, I actually want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to be a part of loving people. Um, I want to pray over guys who are being labeled as the Antichrist. I want to pray that they will meet Jesus. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but it's just, I just have a thing in, with COVID coming up, and, and there's so many people that have been identified as, guys, be careful, this is the Antichrist. And I'm saying, I want to pray for these men. I want to pray that they have a revelation of Jesus. I want these guys to come to a point of recognizing that there's a hope and a future and plans and purposes over their life. But lift them up. Be intentional with loving people. And I know that that's, 
That's a heart that we share. But I want God to say, these are the guys that you're going to have an impact in. These are the people that are going to impact your life. Because there's people out there that need to be here because they need to sharpen us. They need to refine us. They need to come in. And God's got plans for them in this place to come and bring about a supernatural sharpening. I want to be open to, to that. So, on Wednesday the 9th of February, we're proposing it. We, we fast Wednesday the 9th of Feb and Thursday the 10th of Feb. And what we're wanting to do, we'll, we'll, we'll put some communication together. This came through last night as I was just praying into this morning. I felt God give me this. But um, it's something Emmanuel shared with me a while ago and said, this is something it will be good to do. And as I was praying last night, I felt just God saying, this is, this is the timing. But we'll pray on the Wednesday night here from 7.30 to 8, I mean, 5.30 to 6.30, if that suits you guys. I just think it's, it gives us an opportunity to get kids into bed and things afterwards. We'll pray for an hour on the Wednesday night. And on the Thursday night, again, at 5.30 to quarter past six, we want to pray. And at quarter past six, we'll present a meal. Um, it will just be something light that we can, we can just kind of enjoy each other's fellowship and, and eat together and trust that God speaks over that time. And, and I'm trusting that God will give us a stirring, a passion, a zeal, an excitement, a, a capacity for, for the season that is to come. And I want to trust that God will give us a, a refining of the vision for our venue. I believe that a venue is important. We we feel that God's doing something. And again, even going back to the scripture I read earlier this morning, I believe that he's bringing about a hastening with that. So we want to trust that God's going to give us revelation for that. But I trust that God's going to give us stuff that when we are here next year at this time, we look back and we see a supernatural fruitfulness of what God has done. We see lives that have been transformed and people that have come to know him. And... That's our excitement and our passion for, for the year ahead. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you are good, you are gracious, you are invested, you are intentional, that you are just so, so excited to spend time with us, to speak to us, to, to reveal hidden things to us, Lord. And I pray, Father, even as we go into the next couple of weeks as a time of seeking vision for Adventure Church, as we go into a time of seeking vision for ourselves, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that we will hear the gentleness of your whisper, and that you will be the voice that says to us, this is the way, walk in it. So, Father, I thank you for your love and your affection over us. Thank you for each one of us here, Father. I pray, Lord, that even over the next coming days, that you will start just laying people on our hearts, that we'll find ourselves phoning those we haven't spoken to in ages just to encourage them because you've placed them on our hearts. We'll be stepping out in obedience and just loving the unlovable. Father, I pray, Lord, that in this time we will just experience your presence in new and exciting ways. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.